welcome back to the TFT Podcast. I'm Ryan. That's Matt. How you doing, Matt? How does it feel? It feels good. It feels good. I also have a question. How does it feel? How, how many times must a man cast pod before you can call him a man? <laughs> before you can call it a podcast. I mean, yeah, guys, guys, we're doing Dylan. <laughs> We're doing oh, Dylan. What albums specifically? We are doing two albums uh, because you know, as we as we decided to do uh, Dylan after doing um, Neil Young uh, last week and doing two Neil Youngs and you know the kind of the ghost of Neil Young past and the the ghost of Neil Young present. Yeah, uh, we we talked and I think as an aside, uh, you said you know we never really did folk music, um, and just off of that, I dis- I then decided that we were doing Bob Dylan. Well, what, what's <laughs> not that I decided that, but for me, Bob Dylan. It, it, I, I guess because I don't necessarily know the folk m- movement, folk music. Uh, for me, there was nothing bigger that we haven't discussed of the fo- of folk and of um, and and when we did the '60s, we didn't necessarily have a methodology uh, thought up. You know, we kind of went back to the Beatles because of an anniversary, and then jumped to Pet Sounds because we love it. Um, and so we didn't necessarily have a a research design totally thought out um and so you know when you said you know you you planted the seed of um of 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 folk i you know not really knowing that time period thought of dylan immediately and then uh and really having listened to very little other than the singles um pulled up all music and was like well shit um <laughs> uh, we could do dylan for the next we could do dylan's 1960 great albums of the 1960s for the next quarter right? <laughs> right this could be this could be dylan quarter um and uh but it won't be uh so we pared it down to two slices um of of early dylan and then kind of pivotal dylan so we're uh discussing the 1963 al- album the free will and bob dylan uh-huh. uh which uh features the lead track uh, is "Blowing in the Wind," which I was referencing, um, and then uh, we are discussing also um, the later uh, 1965's "Highway 61 uh, Revisited," uh, which features, uh, among others, uh, "Like a Rolling Stone." Um, and so these are two pieces of of the Dylan uh, uh, discography, and uh, one which is primarily acoustic. Uh, "Free Will and Bob Dylan" uh, is is primarily acoustic. As from 1963, um, and it's mostly Dylan with occasional accompaniment, uh, acoustic guitar, harmonica, and then some some backing musicians on only one, a few tracks. Uh, and then uh, Highway 61 Revisited is after Dylan has gone electric and he has a full band. Um, and I think that they're both very interesting uh, and intersect uh, a lot of uh, interesting ways with a lot of the um, themes that we've been circling on uh, both over the last couple of weeks. Um, in Neil Young and Jack White, uh, and then even further back throughout. Uh, so if you have not listened to both 
Free Wheel and Bob Dylan and uh, and and Highway 61 revisited. Uh, pause this, listen to both albums, and we'll see you back here in um, about an hour and a half to two hours. <laughs> these are these are weighty, uh, and you know you you need like ten minutes. You have, there are multiple songs that clock in between seven and ten minutes here. So yep. it's uh, you know, take a deep breath, maybe go for a long run, <laughs> uh, a long languid run, and we'll see you soon. And uh, I, I just want to point out there are two uh, two features. One is a Spotify playlist that we've made and embedded in the show notes. Oh yes, uh, of that. Uh, and you can actually follow both Ryan and me on on Spotify if you're interested in in what we're doing. Uh, Which is right now mostly preparing for TFT podcast yeah. episodes. <laughs> right. That's exactly. You'll get an interesting preview if you look at our, you know, feeds on Spotify. Uh, it's basically, other- it's basically TFT podcast. And then like, what am I going to be doing at the next hip hop karaoke? <laughs> <laughs> and then the other, the, uh, the other thing is that for the last couple of episodes, we've put in affiliate links uh, to the albums. And so if you click on the album art at the top, uh, of the show notes, or if you click on the the uh, links in the syllabus um, down down below, uh, we get a small kickback when you buy those albums or or initiate an Amazon session from one of those links and and buy anything. Uh, so we appreciate the support in the form of uh, using those links when you are you know doing the shopping you would do anyway, or when you're buying buying the the records. And yes, I say records because whenever it's possible, I have been constructing links to the vinyl uh to the to the lps to the vinyl lps of all of these records so that you can go in and get your you know 180 gram vinyl reissues of uh of the free wheel and bob dylan and highway 61 revisited so that's i guess that'll do for uh for a sponsor plug and let's let's yeah, that's our that's our word from our sponsors which is us diy diy motherfucker um so i don't know if i have a canned question uh for you right now um and and i i, I have th- one i have a question can i go ask for a it then what do you think of the harmonica who <laughs> what do I think of the harmonica? Yeah, I mean that is to say one of the one of the features of this like um, record is that there's a lot of harmonica, and you know all the pictures. Both of, records, really. Yeah, um, sure. And all the pictures have Dylan standing there with an acoustic guitar and like one of those like you know harmonica Hannibal Lecter masks that you know sticks the harmonica right in your face so that you can't bite Jodie Foster or something. Um, you uh, there's a lot of harmonica. There's a there's a story uh, from the the Newport Festival, the 1965 one, where Dylan went electric, uh, and I read this story on Wikipedia, and we'll link up a bunch of Wikipedia um, entries and whatnot. Uh, I read this story on Wikipedia that, like, uh, when he came out, he was convinced to come out uh, uh, again after playing an electric set and getting booed. Uh, he played a short set, and they, you know, begged him to come back, and he came back, and they, he had the wrong harmonica. So that he said, "Does anyone have an E harmonica?" And this like metallic clatter, this rain of harmonicas uh, descended upon the stage from people in the uh, 
in the um, in the audience throwing them up at the uh, throwing them up at the stage. So like it's it's important, right? Like that that there's a uh, there's a harmonic, and we talked a lot about the uh, about the guitar uh, as uh, and and the mass production of electric guitars as being a technology that enables something like the Beatles, you know, and uh, enables sort of rock and roll. Um, more generally, because it can become a participatory thing rather than being a, uh, re- you know, rather than being uh, just a rarefied thing. Um, and I and actually like talking about folk, about the idea of folk and folk musics and art musics is something I'd like to to put in the hopper for today. Um, so we we have developed some ideas, uh, you know, about the guitar and about uh, uh, what it means in the context of this kind of music. But but the harmonica, right, like, um, I don't know. I, I, what do you think it brings to the equation, or what, uh, what, do you like it as a feature of music? Like, sometimes I, I sort of wonder, like, I wonder if we could just turn down the harmonica track, right, and <laughs> enjoy the, the rest of the song. I very often would... Uh, like that i don't know what do you think of it it's interesting i mean i um to i've had a recent kind of run-in with the the harmonica uh in a in a in a way that where kind of my engagement with music kind of intersects with uh personal life uh which is um that uh my partner uh cognac who many of you listeners know from listening and from reference uh has a, a recent has a relative uh, who uh, passed away recently who was a noted harmonica player um, and uh, and and so and actually recently uh, attended um, the memorial service uh, for for this relative um, and uh, there's a few things here one is that I ended up watching a lot of um, videos of, of harmonica music um, and kind of lots of you know because he was a he really was he, and he was a multi instrumentalist a really talented musician and music teacher. Um, but his main interest and his passion, his main instrument was the harmonica. Um, and then what's really interesting is that um, at the uh, at the at the wake uh, there was uh, because of his involvement in uh, the local um, music community where he he lived um, part of the 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 wake was musicians organized to come and it was almost an open mic there was some organization but uh, different people brought their instruments uh, gu- their guitars uh, acoustic and electric guitars bass um, there was a sax player uh, there was a violin player and there were lots of harmonica players um and there's uh, there's a few things that i think are noteworthy um about that i kind of learned so i guess i i've i don't like um a few months ago i don't know that i could have answered this question um or i would have had an opinion to you uh, uh, uh similar to yours that harmonica is you know something of a a a nuisance or a a <laughs> um a, a just a, a not uh a, a, a something that i couldn't comprehend i think there's a few interesting things um about the harmonica one is its size like so it's you know it's one of the smaller melodic instruments that you can have so it's it's possible to um uh to really have a harmonica or several harmonicas uh, on you at any given point in time if you're a harmonica play- player right and and so this even the the story um uh from Newport of the 
many, many harmonicas being thrown on indicates that there are guys, there's a lot of dudes who were packing harmonicas. Right. Right. Um, and I think, and, and what's interesting is, and I don't know if this is, you know, was, um, unique to this this relative or if there's something in harmonica culture but there's this there's a series of photos at one point like so that the this relative um the, who played the harmonica had a har, uh, harmonica bandolier right so that it was like a um a a you know a a gun belt for holding uh bullets uh that it was that kind of crosses across the chest uh but it was designed to fit um harmonicas of every of every kind of key and and pitch and it is the it like that alone like seeing a a harmonica bandolier is basically what is necessary to change your opinion of the harmonica (laughs) because if it can if something can be put in a bandolier it is um it is awesome by but just by necessity um and you know and and or just by just by by association um and so i think that there's a few things right that on the one hand it's very it's portable um and so harmonica players can can join so if you are um if you are a harmonica player you can join a jam session that is happening right that you are always kind of ready to make music um short of being a, a ready to um you know it, it's it's kind of up there it could be akin to um you know, just the voice or even one's hands, right? It, that, that there's a, an ability of, um, that, you know, there's not a lot of setup. You basically, you whip, you whip out your harmonica and you're ready to go. Um, and yet at the same time, um, as the, um, the, the Dylan anecdote, uh, from, or maybe legend or whatever from, um, from, uh, Newport indicates and just the existence of the bandolier indicates that you need harmonicas of, um, that it's not what you get in size and portability, you lose in flexibility. Um, and that you need, um, to have a lot uh, of in order to basically play any song, play in any key, you need a lot of um, harmonicas. You need to have the right harmonica with you, um, and so it's this interesting. It's an interesting balance between. And it actually relates to some of what we've talked about. Um, uh, with you know, actually, I think going back, a concern kind of going back to. Um, Really going back, I think one of the first episodes we talked about a lot was the Toon Yards episode um, about maybe two months ago almost or you know, in early May. Um, and th- where uh, talking about the, the types of kind of specialization and, and skill and practice that are nece- necessary to be um, really – uh, producing uh, uh, artisanal products, right? And we were talking about the the sharpie versus the letterpress and the skill that you need to use a letterpress and to and do various handmade things. And the investment of cap, the investment of capital in buying that large piece of equipment. Right, right. And so, and I think that the harmonica is interesting because, on the one hand, it, you have an image of it as being a kind of you know. I, you think of it as being almost a you know a campfire instrument or a a, a instrument played on a you know a, in a, in a boxcar going across the country, right? That, um, but at the same time, it, there is actually a lot of um, a tremendous amount of kind of musical training that goes into it. Not only you know just in the skill of playing the instrument, but knowing 
which harmonica to use uh, in a given setting and how to play it and how to um, how to fit in. Um, and then there's a, a, an additional kind of layer of this of moving beyond harmonica players um, to a um, uh, you know the harmonica uh, as a as a um, second instrument. I think that you know the size and the size. Uh, in addition to being portable, makes it possible to be one of the, you know, like to create proto one man bands, right? That, you know, that you see some one man bands where there's lots of um, crazy contraptions that are used to create percussion instruments and maybe extra harmony um, out of like, like uh, accordion type contraptions. Um, but that, and and often they they work but are are a, a spectacle you know a um harmonica uh a, a harmonica like harness uh, uh enables um a, a musician to be mu- uh, musically multitasking um and so it's uh and so it's like one step to this kind of one man band one so on the one hand this is another instance of it kind of enabling you know like uh, like basically removing making it easier as easy as possible to have a band or have a group that is kind of you know to create not just a single person but a kind of multitude or a, a group um and yet at the same time um you know doing that is uh is extremely hard the the coordination that's required to play guitar sing and then go to the harmonica is is tremendously difficult um so i feel like those are two elements um and th- they aren't even necessarily musical um uh, but they're, they're they're kind of two preliminary thoughts about um about the technology of the of the harmonica and the social technology of the harmonica that I think then inform um, you know hearing hearing the harmonica. Uh-huh. So I think that I now hear the harmonica as this as as I, I, I li- so I like the harmonica because it's kind of for me it's the the special sauce, right? It's what makes if someone can either has a harmonica player or is kind of self harmonica playing, it's the special sauce that separates a Big Mac from just any other hamburger. <laughs> um, and so it's that's it's the special sauce of folk music, right? <laughs> In a way, I don't know. What what are your thoughts uh, or reactions on on the harmonica? Uh, it has that that timbre that's like that like. I don't know. It seems like, you know, an annoying woman who you used to know, right, that has that kind of nasally kind of mid-rangey voice that just cuts through everything. You know, I don't know. So it, it uh, I, I'm not even I'm thinking of a type now. I'm not even thinking of like a uh, of a specific of a specific. for you. For you, it's the Fran Drescher of instruments. There you go. That's 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 what I was looking for. There's the joke. I am. Um, yeah, it. It also right like it's it's um I don't know so many instruments have like a phallic aspect you know like the the uh which was brought home in the the Prince Super Bowl with the shadow puppet Devil Schlong uh in Prince's uh Super Bowl performance half oh, yeah. performance a couple years ago um the uh, you say you can't have a a uh, a devil a devil schlong harmonica? No, it'd be like a devil yanni, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's like exactly. It's a devil. It's a. So I think it adds. It kind of conceptually adds 
um, some uh, some yin energy right to the propulsive yang of the of the guitar. I mean, it fills out a range in the it films out film fills out a range in the like uh, sound spectrum, right? This sort of mid rangey piercing thing. I mean, I, you know, what I was thinking that the harmonica added a lot was kind of bulk to, to the sound. Yeah. I know? guess that's what I was getting at in terms of the special sauce idea Yeah, that like, otherwise you're just, um, you're just I, bright eyes. You're just bright eyes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that it adds, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Um, it it adds a a thickness and energy too, because I think to play the harmonica, um, I mean, it's interesting. It, it that it's a weirdly there, there's a there's a percussive element to harmonica playing um, by I think created by the way you know the combination of. Um, blowing and then the movement of you know basically the there's there's a percussive element a rhythmic element that's created by moving the instrument laterally a kind of perpendicular to the breath right and so that it creates these interesting slides and feels these and you know the, the the way that it goes up and down i think creates um, for me as a listener, a lot of energy usually when it comes in. Um, isn't there like I feel like am I, am yeah, I wrong? Literally, am- literally, sort of breath, right? Like, right. yeah, because right. there's this this sense of of breath, of kind of sustained breath, huh? That's something actually that I hadn't thought that I hadn't thought about almost even more than singing, right? Or it sort of amplifies that. I mean, it's a technology for amplifying the the power of breath uh, more than you know a singer's yeah. voice box can amplify can amplify the power of breath. Huh. That's, that's something, that's an interesting thing that I hadn't, that I hadn't thought about that. It's like, um, yeah, it's like a way of, of pumping energy into, uh, not even rhythmic energy, just sort of like pure, like life energy into, uh, into a song. And that also can, can, uh, that, I mean, and that theory also would account for why it can feel very easily over, overused, right? Like why a little, uh, harmonica judici- judiciously applied, um, can really uh, can really uh, make a track come alive, and too much uh, can be really oppressive because it's like it's like the the guy at the party who's like, "Hey, everybody! Everybody having a good time? Everybody having a good time?" Like, and one of those you can take, uh, but if it goes on and on for four minutes straight, you just wanna you just wanna punch him in the face. Yeah, I think that that's I think that's right. Um, I mean, it's interesting when we when we talk about kind of breath. Um, I mean, I feel like there's something important here to to that. I, like when we once we talk about breath, I'm actually drawn to think um, about. Uh, far be it for us to you know start talking about a song. You know, God forbid we talk about a song in the first within the first half hour of an episode. Um, but I think a little bit about blowing in the wind um, and and you know the the connections you know between um, breath and human breath and the kind of um, you know uh, and 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 the the breath of you know of of the wind and and the kind of um, and and. And, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess my question to you is how many roads must a man walk down uh-huh. before you can call him a man? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, did I ever tell you um, uh, I've, there's so many 
Um, so many uh, uh, are, I'm looking up a, a romantic poem now. The uh, um, damn it. Uh, did, did have we ever talked about about poetry writing? Uh, and and the idea of sort of universal applicability is that on this podcast or on another podcast? They they all blur together. Yeah, that's that's me too. Yeah, guy, this the last twenty seconds of this have been some solid audio entertainment. Let me tell. Let me Cold tell you. brewing is a painstaking <laughs> and artisanal process. That's on this one, right? <laughs> um, there's a a, uh, a poem. It's called England uh, in eighteen nineteen. It's by uh, Shelley. Um, I think we have talked about it. Okay, great. Uh, and, uh, right. So it, it's, it's a sonnet. It's short. I can, I can read it in and then I want to use it as a point of comparison to blown in the wind. Um, England in, in 1819, an old man, mad, blind, despised and dying King princes, the dregs of their dull race who flow through public scorn, mud from a muddy spring rulers who neither see nor feel nor know, but leech like to their fainting country cling till they drop blind in blood without a blow, a people starved and stabbed in the untilled field, an army, uh, which liberticide and prey makes as a two-edged sword to all who wield golden and sanguine laws which tempt and slay a religion Christless, godless, a book sealed, a senate times worst, worst statute unrepealed are graves from which a glorious phantom may burst to illumine our tempestuous day. Right. That's that's a pretty uh, damning, um, a pretty damning critique of a whole society. Right. The king, right. the princes, the uh, but um, but I had a professor in college, the, the, uh, the late uh, great John Hollander, who I often bring up because he's he's one of the people he's one of my sort of standard bearers intellectually, like who represents to me like a, a sort of rigorous uh, a rigorous kind of intellectual effort and, um, you know, rejecting kind of laziness and half-heartedness in, in, in intellectual endeavors. And, and uh, you know, really kind of inspired me in that way in the study of English literature. He pointed out that these the same things could be said of, uh, by different people of the George W. Bush years, right? Or... Right. Uh, from a different huh. point of view, the Obama years, right? Um, or the mythical kingdom of of fantasy so and so, right? Or of you know Egypt under the pharaohs, or anything, you know, or anything, right? That what, the accomplishment of this poem, though it's called England in in nineteen uh, in eighteen nineteen, um, is that. It, it achieves a kind of universal applicability, right? By being specific, uh, it somehow transcends its specificity and becomes something that, that could, could describe a universal experience, a kind of universal social dissatisfaction that is always somewhere true uh, of whatever society that you're in. And I think like... Um, I think that, you know, for, for lyric writing, and I guess this was the first record where, uh, Dylan wrote, uh, 
uh, most of the songs himself, all but two, I guess. Whereas on the debut album before, uh, all but two had been covers. Right. Um, and that way it's like, it's actually very analogous to, uh, with the Beatles, uh, which we discussed. Yeah, uh, sure. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Or I guess actually it's analogous, sorry, to more to Hard Day's Night. Hard Day's um, Night. The yeah. transition from with the Beatles to Hard Day's Night. Yeah. And it's interesting because it doesn't have a kind of, so- unless it's the harmonica, it doesn't have a kind of like sonic announcement that like it's a new day, you know? Um, but I, but I think that that's important, right? Like the idea of this is that it's not a new day. It's actually the same old day. It's the, it's the same day that's been forever, you know? Right. Um, and that, that blowing in the wind, uh, like how many roads must a man walk down? You know, how many seas must a white dove sail? How many times must the cannonballs fly? Uh, how many years can a mountain exist? Uh, so Bob Dylan's stuck in a time loop. Well, yeah, sort of, right? Like um we are. We are we're all stuck in a time loop, I suppose, right? Right, right. Or the the I mean it it's an accomplishment and and you know, it really is an accomplishment because so many people try to do it and do it badly, right? Like this is a, a very often people shoot for this this kind of like heightened rhetoric um and get uh, insufferability instead, you know, and get like just terrible adolescent, um, uh, awfulness instead of actually achieving the kind of, the kind of universal universality, uh, that I think Dylan achieves in, in, in a lot of these lyrics. And like, I'm not a huge Dylan guy, you know, like this was, a, a not a first encounter, but this was a first maybe deep dive into, into some of these, uh, into some of these songs for me. And I feel like even as much or even more than the Beatles, like Dylan is an industry and I feel a little naked, like without a Dylan expert writer, without recourse to a lot of the, uh, w- to a lot of the, like the specialist knowledge that, that goes with, with Dylan. But what occurs to me in listening to these, to these songs is that it really, that it really does, uh, like, like Shelley in England in 1819, um, blown in the wind, uh, and a lot of the songs um, on this record, actually more so this record than I think Highway 61, um, achieve uh, achieve that kind of thing, right? Like, what are these questions about? Well, they're about the social upheaval about of the 1960s. They're about, you know, eternal problems in relationships, right? They're about all oppression throughout history. They're about the human condition. They're about, uh, you know, um, the, the intractable koans of, of Eastern philosophy, right? Like, uh, this, this, um, uh, it, it's working on a, it's working on a lot of levels, uh, working on a lot of levels at once, right? Like, and, and it's interesting, like the answer is blowing in the wind, you know, the answer is not at the top of the mountain. It's not at the end of the journey. It's not, it's, it's not an achievement, uh, right. The answer is not a, a point that you can reach. The answer is just kind of swirling, swirling around us around you yeah the answer is kind of in the fabric of of the being right or or you know or as you might you might say to like alexander who uh drew his sword and cut through the the gordian knot right like um that's that's a completely uh incorrect appreciation of the Gordian knot. It's not a knot for untying it's it's a knot for contemplation right right uh it's it's a sort of intractable set of of 
problems or or tensions, right? And we've talked a lot uh, on this this podcast about this kind of uh, uh, songs as being a nexus point for for a lot of. Uh, for a system of tensions in uh, uh, which are productively opposed to to one another, and and it strikes. I mean, and that's I don't know. That's what if you if we if we must jump into the close reading in the first half of the podcast. That's my take on on blowing in the wind. You know. Yeah. Well, I think it was. I think it's just it's it's useful because it is a striking song, and you know we I guess moving one step out from the lyrics i feel like it also i mean the question of what makes this right there's another question we could have started with which if we really wanted to like you know charge in like bulls into the dylan fandom china shop the question i would probably ask is what makes bob dylan so good um and said with the uh, or um or even more provocatively is bob dylan good yeah exactly (laughs) Uh, is Bob Bob Dylan an indie band yeah exactly is Bob Dylan for real um and and I think that I think that it's interesting because it's equal parts the um the the writing and the performance um like there's something there's something very difficult to describe in the yes and the yes ands um that that uh that that drive every light like in the way uh-huh. that part of why i was um you know thinking of the harmonica and connected even to what we were, some of what we we're talking about the breadth of the harmonica um and its role in in a lot of the the feel of the album and its importance throughout um as as kind of this wind that blows around you um and kind of it, it, you know embodies not doesn't really provide the answers, but contains or embodies uh, or or exists in that moment. Um, similarly, there's there's so much in the performance of this that is it's 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 odd. It, it's it's not that it feels natural, but that there's a there's just this there's something in the yes end that that feels slurred or um, kind of just almost not even like almost spewed out or spat out. Um, and it's interesting because I, in, um, in again, in my also, uh, extensive Wikipedia preparation, um, uh, you know, it, it, I, just, I read. You can tell we're out of our depth a little bit, right? Like, I feel like Wikipedia predominates in our uh, pre- preparatory research to the extent that we're unfamiliar with a work, right? Because- we don't know. We don't, but not even. I mean, it's that we don't know. It's not that we're unfamiliar with the work. We're unfamiliar with the, the um, discourse around. Yeah, that's the, what I the, mean. the discourse around it. Yeah. Um, I don't and- know what the reference. I don't know what the the reference website for Dylan is. You know. No, if you're a Dylan fan, um, and you know, do point us towards yeah, link some uh, the, things the, up in the, the secondary literature, either uh, on the web or um, I know there's a few films on Dylan, and there's um, there there are a few um, what, uh, and there 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 are, I'm sure certain certainly um, lots of books written. Um, but that said, I mean, I think that the the point is is 
there is also some a value in the challenge of we have a set of tools we have our hammers right um but we are facing something we are we are facing a we're, we we we're trying to hammer the wind uh-huh. um, <laughs> and and so uh and and uh and 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 we're we're giving a shot at that um and i think that what i was going to say is i guess in terms of kind of processing the lyrical style and the performance style um is that you know, in uh, in describing the production process of um, of of like a Rolling Stone um, in the, you know, the sessions that led to uh, Highway 61, he described writing what he described as vomit, uh, I believe, as these long kind of stream of consciousness um, texts that he would just, you know, sit down at a typewriter and just bang uh, or sit down um, and write longhand words and phrases that, that, that came to him. And you you have a sense of um, on both albums, even though the lyrical concerns are different and there's differences in style, um, that there are almost that I, 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 sense something that is almost similar to someone it's not necessarily speaking in tongues but there is a there's a prophetic um element to this that there is an element of um and i I think that for me the song that really grabbed me for when i was like when uh, in the process of you saying we never really did folk and then me loading like all of bob dylan's 60s albums into a spotify playlist and then listening to them the one of the first things that really um grabbed me um is uh, a hard raids are gonna fall yeah um because that is just and because for me the imagery on that of um you know uh i've stepped in the middle of seven sad forests i've been out in the middle of a dozen dozen dead oceans um and you know later on i saw a newborn baby with wild wolves around it right this sense of of mystery um and of 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 omen and kind of uh, of of meaning and shrouded in 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 mystery um and kind of you know in in some ways in the wind right the very present yet elusive um is just really striking and just kind of the ominous um slow march of this and the way that it's organized uh, uh, around these um you know uh, of of it's been uh you know i've been i've done this um i saw i heard i met um and then and then then the where right these like repeated uh versions of these of of you know these these mysterious or um uh the, the mysterious or or really haunting or troubling uh images um is just really striking and there's a number of the other long songs um on freewheeling uh do this right that talk of world war 3 blues um is 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 and masters of war um for me master of war heart rain is going to fall and uh talking world war three blues are these these tent poles these like long you know six to ten minute long songs um that that have this prophetic quality um and then in between there's a lot of songs that are, are actually a lot lighter i mean there's some other kind of heavy songs oxford town is also very social and serious there's there's a number but there's also songs like 
um, you know, honey, just allow me one more chance. Um, and don't think twice. All right. That are, that feel a lot more true to the title of the free wheel and Bob Dylan, but like, I'm sorry, the, the dark, somber, solitary prophet, uh, you know, declaring, you know, that, uh, he will walk to the depths of the deepest black forest does not seem super free wheeling to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it, it's sort of, I mean, it's interesting, uh, it's interesting. I mean, I, I associate freewheeling with like, I, I think the album cover is interesting here, right? Like yeah. in, in, uh, on the album cover, you know, uh, he and his companion are sort of bundled up against the cold and are, um, are walking, you know, through downtown somewhere. Uh, it feels to me like Greenwich village. Right. Yeah. And maybe well, I'm just, I'm putting that in based on what I know about, you know, bi- biographically, but it, it must be right. Like, cause one of the, one of the interesting songs, right. Like one of the interesting intros to the songs is like, uh, a lot of, yeah. a lot of the songs are, uh, written uptown in Tin Pan Alley. Yeah. Uh, this isn't a song that was written uptown in Tin Pan Alley. This is a song that was written um in the United States of America. But 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 which is what? Like down by, you know, down in Greenwich Village or something like that? I don't know. Yeah. Tin Pan let's, Alley. Let's, actually, let's dig into that because I feel <laughs> like th- there's a lot there, right? <laughs> so Tin Pan Alley uh was the kind of the center of the Great American Songbook. Um you know, vertically integrated uh, composing process, right? Right, Like song production process. And it's what the Brill Building sort of took Tin Pan Alley and stood it on its end in one skyscraper, you know? But it was a region uh, of what is now the, I guess, called Nomad. And it's like the center of it was literally where the Ace Hotel is in, uh, (laughs) in Manhattan. So Uptown, right? Right, right, right. You know? Uh, and, and the Brill building is still further uptown. Yeah. Um, and I also actually read that as that he, and I actually don't know about the, um, the, the, uh, the, the activity of Tim Pan Alley at this time. I also see that Tim Pan Alley is a bit also referring to, um, is referring to the Brill building and kind of the pop industrial complex more broadly. Sure. Um, Right. As, and so, right. So that's kind of, you know, the Tim Pan Alley is, you know, the, right. It's, it's this interesting where Carol statement, Kings, right. Where your technocrats, yeah. your yeah. pop technocrats are yeah. manufacturing, right. In a, in really a kind of assembly line system in a, in a vertical monopoly of, you know, song production. Right. right. Um, the uh, uh, the popular music of the day, whereas this is a song from America, right? This is a song that's sort of um, that's from the people and from their experience. And like I in in my extensive Wikipediaing to prepare for this, I, I gather from Wikipedia that Dylan talked about a lot of the songs uh, that he wrote as though they were sort of found objects, right? As though they were kind of blowing in the wind, uh, as it were, and he just happened to to catch them and write them down, you know? Well, and there are elements where, I mean, I think another um, element is that a lot of melodies are, you know, traditional folk yeah, melodies right. of English folk songs uh, or African-American uh, folk songs or spirituals. Um, and then the words, so it's it's, a lot of the process is a 
um, you know, a, almost an original set of lyrics or a poem put to a traditional melody, right? Is a lot of the early um, production process. It seems like, again, yeah, and even like borrowing, even borrowing phrases and and right. you know right. structures and things like this. From- right. So there's a bit of bricolage going on. Sure, right? and it's. I mean, it's. It's more a right. It's more a, a folk music, right? Like, and I I would contrast Bob Dylan as a songwriter to Paul Simon, say, as a songwriter, right? Where like where uh, where I don't know. Well, actually, I mean, it's funny. Like the first, there's a lot of covers on that first Simon and Garfunkel record, but but. Um, to sort of later, to later Paul Simon, right? Like uniqueness becomes a more important virtue, uh, to Paul Simon, uh, as he goes than in, than like, uh, Dylan on the free will and Bob Dylan. And even on 61, which has like a couple of those songs are just a blues, right? Are just, right. um, uh, and so the, the idea, I, a lot of them, a lot of them are, yeah. right? Uh, I mean the, the, um, so the idea of like, the idea of sort of participating in a tradition and that like it, the idea of authorship, I think, is is something that could bear some scrutiny uh, when you are participating in a tradition by by a kind of repetition with a difference rather than rather than the claim that you are, you know, sitting in your Faraday cage of non-interference and creating uh, original objects out of whole cloth. Right. Yeah. Um, I was just unmuting there for a second. Um, no, I think that that's, um, I think that that's exactly right. And I think that that's what's, I mean, in some ways I feel like that enhances oddly the, um, the, the elements of this that feel like prophetic, uh, and of, of like, because in that he's not it, it like there is less of a i mean it's interesting though because there's the song that you are referencing i believe is uh bob dylan's blues right so there are two songs in which there is ownership right there's bob dylan's blues and bob dylan's dream um and again his name right the album is called the freewheeling bob dylan um and yet there's a lot of a sense of you know i am just a vessel um and he doesn't say that but it's just in the way that it is performed um you know, that there is uh, a sense of, um, in part, you know, being, there there is a lot of talk of dreams as well and being in a dream state. But there's a sense in which, rather than saying, let me tell you about a dream I had, um, and let let me vomit out my interiority, that in some ways it's that there is a dream that is a, a shared dream or a shared kind of collective unconscious, uh, a, a dream that reveals something universal. I mean, this gets back to what you were saying um, before, that there is a, a tapping into a shadowy universal dream state, um, and then I need to tell you guys about what I saw on the other side sure i mean where, um, where have you been you know my blue my blue-eyed boy right like right the the you know i have to i have to give you the news from from where i've been you know from the the place that the place that i've been this also kind of ties into the to the uh high romantic idea uh just since i brought shelly up before of uh you know of a poet as being the the person who is like bringing you news from the other side from the you know from the like the heightened realm yeah um, I think one one other song I wanted to, to talk about that is um, and and uh, there, I mean we can dig back into some of these like the big because I do feel like there are the, several like tent poles on this album that are like the kind of again the are are 
you know, direct lines into this other realm. Uh, but then there's a lot of other interesting songs that are more heavily in, in our realm. Um, and I think one that I just want to talk about briefly, in part because it, a recording, a version of it was on, um, the Neil Young record, uh, that we discussed last week, um, uh, is, uh, the girl from the North Country. Um, and I don't know, did, I mean, did this, I think this is an interest, one of the stronger of the kind of non, you know, non-prophetic, non-kind of, you know, social songs, uh, just because it has a really a, a memorable um, melody. Uh, and it's been, co- you know, covered a lot of times. I feel like there's another Dylan version of it, if memory serves, um, on Nashville Skyline. Uh, that's a duet with Johnny Cash. I could be totally... Um, out of my depth on that one, um, and I, I uh, um, and I believe, if memory serves, it's on uh, a letter home. Um, did anything strike you on this, uh, or or was it just kind of part of a as as kind of interesting about the North Country uh, and and what is depicted here, or was it more a backdrop uh, that serves to you know contrast uh, against uh, the the songs like Hard Rain's Gonna Fall and the, these kind of longer prophetic statements? Yeah, I mean, it's well the. the- the 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 wisdom of Wikipedia is that like a lot of the that actually both of these strains that you've identified in the album have a common source right which was the woman he was dating at the time um, right. you know who radicalized him politically uh, and also and also you know provided a uh, a whole bunch of relationship drama you know that that uh, could be the um, the basis for the basis for these things, and I mean, I think it's worth pondering the the relationship between these two strains, between the two, like um, mm. uh, between the sort of uh, the prophetic, uh, as you call it, sort of socially conscious, conscious um, sort of problem songs, right? Right, and the very personal kind of problem songs, right? Because this is not a, a love song to. Uh, you know, to a beloved, right? This is not a song. This is not a please come sleep with me song in the great tradition of English lyric verse, right? Uh, you know, a pervasive strain running through which is, you know, please, please sleep with me, right? Come live with me and be my love. Uh, and we will all the pleasures prove. Um, for, I mean, from, from early days, uh, that's been a thing. This is talking to, um, talking to a, you know an unknown sort of third party uh, who happens to be maybe traveling in the direction. Um, uh, I mean the like the the thing I like about this, which is that if uh, is is the the word it all hangs on, um, makes the whole thing sort of provisional, right? Like if you're traveling. Uh, in the North Country Fair, right? Yeah, and if if not, no bother, no, no, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no worries. <laughs> yeah, just, just, uh, yeah, it's all good, uh, right? But if you're traveling to the North Country Fair, you mind delivering a message for me, right? Or you mind checking on someone I care about? You know, um, that's, uh, you know, that's that's sort of interesting. And why doesn't why doesn't the singer, right? Like, why doesn't the singer of the song go up to the North Country Fair? Um, Right. And this is, an, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Um, and it's I mean, it's interesting. I mean, Scarborough Fair obviously is is an inspiration for the song. Right. Uh, but um, uh, he, but I don't know. He really he really sort of makes it his own, I think, in this uh, in this um, uh, in this version. 
Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it is interesting. I guess that I mean, another kind of connection um, is, I mean, I think that your identification of the importance of the word if is really interesting um, because I think that there is, you know, I feel like the, the, I guess there's two pieces, right? Of how, how do we understand the kind of connections between the problem songs and the personal problem songs? And I think that what I hear in the if is this sense of of uncertainty, um, and that there's a a defense, there's a, a kind of defense against uncertainty, um, and and you know that the you know maybe uh, the what if you know in some ways there's a a kind of it, concurrent with the you know there there are two tracks of what if the whole world ends with uh, an atomic bomb going off and what if the girl that i like doesn't remember me anymore wow. uh, and and they're and they're both here and so i mean this is one of the ways in which you know dylan is freewheeling and that he's he's young right and this is the you know the album that you know led him to kind of get the you know p- people to call him the voice of a generation um and he you know rejected that and resented that and battled with it um but that this kind of concern both over what the what was happening in the world and what kind of world they were living in and like the still the usual things of the youngsters um of uh, uh, what would you call them these fucking teenagers yes exactly exactly <laughs> um uh uh, uh are are overlapping and intertwining um and 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 so the specific right it's a way in which um, it's it's actually really cool to see this album where you have these songs that are are um, you know a, a right it's like th- you know these these effing teenagers are just happening to um, uh, engage with the total annihilation of all existence yeah. right uh, and uh, and so that there is this interesting engagement of the lightness is heavy and the heaviness is light sure right. Um, and because I think that the last track, um, I shall be free, um, is one where the, the heaviness becomes light, right. um, where he, uh, uh, you know, is talking about, um, you know, is, you know, especially it's like, well, my telephone rang and it would not stop. It's president Kennedy calling me up. He said, my friend, Bob, what do we need to make the country grow? I said, my friend, John, Bridget Bardot, Anita Ekberg, Sophia Lauren, um and it was and it was cool it's it's like it's it's very it, it's it's goofy right uh-huh. um and there's this kind of goofy like um what can we do uh, uh, uh like just kind of a, a shrug um uh about you know all of this stuff that was previously you know in some ways it's like you wake up from the the dream uh you come out of the vision quest and you still have to you know you know you, you're on the street and there's people eating bagels, pizza, chitlin, and bullshit. Uh, <laughs> and party and bullshit. Exactly. And party. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so I think that there is, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that, I guess what I was going to say is that it intersects in kind of this interesting way, right, that in terms of the, we were talking about, you know, Bob Dylan being the voice of a generation, then once there is this kind of voice of a generation thing, um, then the next kind of thing that comes up is the, you know, being the next 
you know, the next Bob Dylan. And I think a lot of, um, you know, generations since the sixties, um, have, uh, had their next Bob Dylan. Sure. Um, and I think the one that, you know, is most pertinent to our interest is Connor Oberst and, <laughs> and bright eyes. Um, and I think it's just, it's interesting, um, to, to think about a little bit, um, that I think in some ways bright eyes and, and, turns the this kind of the the personal problem and and kind of social problem song ratio and focus and and you know like dylan still feels kind of outside in and then back out right that there's the this world there the wind is blowing um there's the 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 shadow reality out there he he goes into it kind of seeps into him and then it, it comes back out and he both conveys that and the kind of personal concerns whereas you know, for, for, for Conor Oberst, it's all just inside, right? It's all, um, and I, I think especially for me, the, um, the, the album, the, the, the Bright Eyes album that actually had the most similarities, um, is, uh, is, is lifted, uh, lifted colon or the story is in the soil. So keep your ear to the ground or something like that. Um, in that it also has a number of these tentpole, you know, six to nine minute song, long songs with the repeated phrases, um, and the kind of, um, a, a, a scheme of kind of, um, you know, moving through, um, you know, different ways of, of view, sides of a, a problem or a concern. But those, most of those songs are his personal hangups and his insecurities and his neuroses. Uh, and then in that song and in other songs, that then becomes politicized and it becomes the thing that um, is harnessed to the the external problem but it it, it starts it starts with him um it, it, it starts with connor Oberst's uh you know special perspective and anxiety and then that is what um you know uh uh is, is it's a very self-centered voice of the generation yeah <laughs> right I, I think the other thing that's important is like uh, there's been a social shift from like seeing yourself as primarily an individual I mean, to that from seeing yourself as primarily a member of, of a society, right? Like as right. primarily a group member and, and maybe after that an individual, right? And like this was, this was, um, Free Willin was like, uh, a smash hit record, right. uh, right. which, you know, no one was really prepared for Cause I, I guess the, the debut album hadn't, hadn't sold very well. And Bright Eyes is really a niche phenomenon, right? So, I mean, I would like a lot of the well, but the the um, when he released those two uh, the the 2005 albums, um, I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning, and Digital Ash and Digital Urn. Those singles, I believe, like debuted on the singles chart. Like those were those were hit singles very briefly. Um, so he did cross over, but I mean, I think the point is taken. It still has not crossed over to Bob Dylan level of popularity. Um, but it was, it was a little more, a little less, at least, especially in that 2005 moment, um, that, that Bush era moment. Um, it, it, it was, um, uh, a little bit. There was a moment where kind of um, Brightus was at the set, center of pop culture, but it never. You're right that it never was. He never became 
right? He, he, it was like a moment where he peaked and then kind of receded uh-huh. back into, um, you know, kind of indie mainstream. Right. Um, and there yeah. isn't, I mean, there isn't sort of, we don't have a mass culture, right. In the same way right. uh, that there, right. that there was exactly. a mass culture kind of in, in the wake of the, of the, um, Korean war, you know, uh, that kind of, that, stretch between the Korean War and Vietnam um the the idea of an american like a monolithic american audience uh is a lot less you know i i don't know that idea is not is not current anymore and so you could i mean i don't know a lot of people who like uh who play, play guitar and are really good really good lyricists right like you know John Darnielle's another one right but but who never i don't know John Darnielle's is is almost entirely personal right like Ani DeFranco is another one you know who really is an heir to the to the sort of personal slash political um divide and and you know more right rather than i'm not i i, I guess i would call Connor Oberst like an indie rock uh singer but like Annie DeFranco refers to herself as as a folk singer actually in the right. third person right like when she talks about herself when she goes to like you know i i woke up this morning and had bacon and eggs for breakfast she she would say the folk singer woke up this morning and had bacon and eggs for breakfast so there's this like very self-consciousness about it but but she's a, a niche phenomenon also right like i i you got to go back to springsteen or or something you know to be to see why um to see someone who got that kind of mass popularity uh with the same you know i don't know with the same um uh the same style of sort of personal slash political uh and an emphasis on on lyric writing and and stuff um, yeah, I, I, I think what's interesting then, I think this is actually a good pivot point to pivot to um, Highway 61 because I think that – well, I think that I, – I guess the other maybe moment or thing to um, you know, just, just talk about is part of what made that um, a, a you know, kind of a right time, right place is that there was already um, you know, in addition to – Right, like we've talked a lot about, kind of these endogenous dynamics and these kinds of uh, of of uh, you know of, of Beatlemania and the kind of the the way of there being um, social currents and then having there be um, someone who is you know poised to kind of um, act upon them or ignite them. Um, and I think that you know it's interesting is that uh, we talked just a little bit about this, but there was already kind of an overlap between kind of development of you know, progressive social movements and youth movements, um, and a, a revival of, uh, of folk music and, and kind of protest oriented, um, folk music that was, um, already, you know, popular in certain countercultural spaces, um, in, you know, the, uh, the late fifties, early, early sixties. Um, and, and I think that there is a lot of 
that was, you know, igniting to become more widespread and kind of, you know, uh, plug into the mass culture, right? That is what the, the, the folk songs being written up on t- Tin Pan Alley is, you know, already by the time of Dylan's second album, um, and the first one that's really a lot of original songs, you know, this is already from, it, it, part of there is already, by the time he's kind of blowing up, he's, he is almost saying already, folk music is over, right? Um, and, uh, and, and, uh because you just you, you hear it there in that in that song um right it, it's the the real who hears want to hear some who wants to hear some real real folk music right and i think what makes highway 61 um so interesting um is that you know rather than continuing to try to try to make the folk music more real or more folk or more stripped down um he he pivots right and um and starts you know playing um, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's, when you listen to it now, it doesn't feel like the hugest departure, right? That, um, you know, in some ways to hear it described, you think it's going to sound, um, like a punk album. You, you think yeah, it's like going Sonic to be like youth or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I listened to highway 61 revisited and it was just noise <laughs> um, uh. because my copy was damaged. <laughs> Um, um, but I, you know, that I think that at the time, I guess part of what I was saying by this kind of, you know, historical transition is that there had become accepted that these markers of, you know, acoustic guitar, man with acoustic guitar and harmonica was a marker of, of authenticity. Right. And that in some ways going to, you know, pivot, you know, playing with a full band, playing rock music, um, was an abandonment of that in some way. Um, and, uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll link to some of the controversy around. We talked a little bit about the, the Newport, uh, controversial Newport show. Um, but I think that, you know, it is interesting that, you know, I guess continuing this thread of kind of thinking about the way that the personal and the social intertwine here, um, I mean, I've, I, I sensed in Highway 61 that there is a, a pivot, that there are a lot more, um, that, that they're still both there, but that you have a turning up of the personal, um, quite a bit more. And that there's a lot more, um, you know, there, there are a lot more, you know, personal bones that are being picked, um, right? There's a, there's a lot more beefs either with specific people or specific types of people. And I mean, again, I'm thinking about like a Rolling Stone um, and uh, Ballad of a Thin Man, um, Queen Jane, um, that that you have more of these, um, you know, car- uh, these these sketches of these, you know, kind of you know, either phony intellectuals or, or kind of, you know, artsy, you know, privileged, uh, artsy, uh, uh, you know, hipstery types, right. That there, that there is a much more of a, um, focus on that. It's, it's the people that Bob Dylan, you know, there's a lot of like the people who are around me are such a pain in my ass. Right. Um, and, 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 and society is such a pain in the ass. Right. I I don't know. What did you make of highway 61 and both, you know, kind of musically and what's how it's concerns, you know, diverge from or relate to those on freewheeling. It was, I mean, it was interesting. It was interesting to see, right? Like we did two albums last, uh, 
last week. The first one was a, a sort of rock and roll album or, you know, I don't know, like a classic rock album or something. Um, and the the second one was, you know, very stripped down. And here we have kind of a... Uh, Kind of a uh, kind of an opposite, right? I don't know. Kind of an opposite. He's pulling a reverse Neil Young. Yeah, yeah. I guess so right. Like, yeah, it's like a Neil old. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's, it's, it's probably terrible. It's it's um, it's beneath us. Uh, yeah, it's it's. Um, I don't know. I I I was with you where like from from my point of view the the uh, from my point of view it's. Um, not that that big uh, from the contemporary point of view it's not that big a, a shift the thing i sort of wondered about uh was like what role what role disdain for his audience played in this yeah you know in, totally. in the move like what it what to what extent was this a um like uh t- to what extent was this a move that was driven by sort of artistic necessity and to what extent was this a move that was driven by a desire to alienate and confound uh the people Explain me how those are different yeah. <laughs> well i mean right it's I mean, it's an interesting thing that i mean i, I joke but i mean it, that's an interesting question of where what where does artistic necessity come from right and what like drives um the creative process forward within a, uh, you know, the kind of career of a prolific, uh, artist, right. And one, there may be like just a certain, you know, either a generative impulse that is there an impulse to create, um, or a, you know, the second could be like a reactive impulse to kind of keep chronicling and interpreting and processing and commenting on what is happening. But then there's like another kind, right. That, that we, at several points in our talking about, kind of this idea of alienating and confounding uh, the audience. Um, You know, we talk about that um, often with a a fair amount of reverence um, and that it is that I think that the value of this is there's a kind of contrarian creativity, right? That, that it is that um, rather than um, coming from, you know, either a, a, you know, uh, a, a, a just a purely generative point or a purely kind of reactive point um, to to uh, you know external inputs that there is a that the impetus for create for creation is the expectations of the listener themselves um, and and of of uh, and and that. And so, I mean, that's, I guess, another way of, of saying the way in which the kind of social and the personal um, uh, workout in this is that, you know, Bob Dylan is here even more aware of being Bob Dylan in society. Um, and, that, and that there is a lot of this. Um, and, and, and I don't mean to say, I mean, but like, I mean, just looking at the cover, like, I mean, there's a lot of like, oh boy, right? Like, like the cover is he's making eye contact with you and say, and I mean, on the one hand, I feel like there's a little bit of an, oh brother. And another, like another side of it is like, I hate you, right? Like this, this has been a rough three years since, since he was, um, uh, he's really felt the three years since he was traipsing through the, um, you know, giggling, uh, through the, uh, uh, 
the east uh, or, or west or whatever through the village. Um, right, and, and, the, and that and it's that your one, fault. It's your freaking fault. <laughs> in that one, it's like in in this cover, he's like very aware of the camera, right? Like, and yeah. very aware of. And by the way, well, there's a freaking camera <laughs> in the right in the shot, right? Like. That like hanging in the hanging in the left of the the frame of the thing, like there there's a camera there, right? Like so yeah. he's sort of surrounded by cameras rather than being this kind of like you know voyeuristic sort of uh, you know verite fly on the wall style shot with him just walking down the street and into the girl. Uh, you know this is there's a lot of there's a lot of sort of self consciousness and a lot of. Um, uh, a lot of uh, self-awareness in this uh, uh, in this photograph, and it also right like you get a little bit here, like the the beginning, or I don't know whether it's the beginning. You'd need an expert to tell you that, but but you get you sort of start to participate in the aspect of Dylan as a myth maker of himself. You know, right. of Dylan, like, sort of, I mean, Dylan's not his real name, and, like, apparently he's cagey about his actual background, and, uh, you know, a lot of, um, in a lot of ways, he's he's very sort of secretive, or is, is you know, very opaque for all that he sort of puts his, uh, all that he puts his... Um, uh, uh, you know, thoughts and romantic entanglements and whatever into uh, into songs and things like this. Like the man, the man himself is sort of very opaque, right? Like that is to say, if the songs are blowing in the wind, or if the songs are like these objects that he he sort of grabs out of the air and just happens to be the one who writes down. Um, yeah, and that I mean, I think that was the quote, right? Like, I I just happen to be the one who writes them down, which right. is interesting to talk about his contribution as writing them down as opposed to singing them. And I guess the 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 um, the perform the the vocal performance, the you know idiosyncrasy of the vocal performance, and the kind of self consciousness uh, of that uh, is something that I guess we could spend a whole other podcast on. Uh, I just would like to uh, put everyone in mind of the Bright Eyes Christmas episode of this podcast, where I started screaming about Connor Ober singing "The Ox and Lamb Kept Time." Um, right, <laughs> like there's a lot of there's a lot of like overly fussy articles. You know, there's a lot of the, this, a, this, you know, like there's a lot of kind of, uh, uh, overly man, not overly, who's to say what's the right amount of mannerism, but like, there's a lot of heavily mannered, um, kind of vocal gestures in, in the, uh, in, in, uh, in these songs, even once, you know, you'd think that the rock band would, would smooth out a lot of that, uh, idiosyncrasy just by sort of chaining everything to a beat. Um, not so right. Like, no. The, the the number of times he says, like a rolling stone, you know. How does it feel? Yeah, like a rolling stone and not like a rolling stone, you know, which is what you'd... Uh you know, which is which is what you'd expect, right? Like, the, so this this idea of like, well, what exactly is his contribution if he's not the voice of a generation? You know, I mean, I I don't think you get to decide whether you're the voice of a generation. I think the generation picks you, right? Like, it's right. It, it's sort of it's sort like of a po- like a Pokemon, like a Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Dylan, I choose you, right? Uh, and he, uh, you know. 
what, what exactly is his contribution as opposed to, I mean, if it's not, cause I think the idea that he's just the one who happens to happens to, uh, you know, pick the songs out of the air. Um, right. Yeah. We can see that as kind of the, the, the myth making for, for, for what it is. It's, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what what his what his contribution is. I don't know becomes uh, becomes interesting, and I think it becomes more interesting as he becomes self conscious about uh, his own myth making and about sort of his own acts of presentation and representation, and how those start to uh, you know I don't know how th- how those concerns start to take over. Yeah, and I think it's I mean, I think that this is interesting. Um and we we may or may not actually discuss a single song on this album uh before we wrap. But um and I say that because I think a, an interesting concern and maybe we will, uh, maybe we'll talk about the the title track. Um because what I wanted to talk about in this idea of like, you know, this making the myth of Bob Dylan and who is Bob Dylan, I think that this is important and the title of the of the record is important, right? Um so Highway sixty one um is a north to south route. Um and actually I think I was confusing it with like Route sixty six, which uh, if memory serves, is an east west ra- uh, route. But Route sixty one is actually a north uh South route that runs from um, Minnesota to New Orleans and kind of runs more or less along, uh, you know, make his parallel with uh, the Mississippi River. Um, and so it runs um, from the upper Midwest into the South. And I mean, that's important because um, Dylan is from Minnesota, right? And so as much as he was, you know, at the time of free will and very much in and uh, like, uh, so that, that the, uh, the Bob Dylan, the free will in Bob Dylan. And the kind of the 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 first incarnation of of you know Bob Dylan this this you know character or voice uh, or or you know again vessel um, was kind of almost a creation of the of the village and the folk scene that you know that Robert what Robert Zimmerman um, is is from is from Minnesota right that um, and that that there is um, you know that that I think that. It's interesting when you look at a map of um, of of Route 61, you see two things, right? One is like a, a a line down to the south and a line into the land of the blues. Um, and then, or another kind of way of viewing it is if you're not going down, it like also looks like an artery of, you know, blood is being pumped um, up or out or a straw where something is being extracted. And then the other notable thing about, uh, you know, Highway 61 is that it's very... It's 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 central. I mean, it's not as central in terms of kind of popu- population center of the country. It's cleaving the country um, and and kind of articulating it in space, right? And so that I think that this idea of of Highway sixty one is both this artery to the to the south and to a certain musical tradition, um, and then also as a as a dividing field and as, as a you know a, a spot of articulation of of the you know the kind of the cremaster field of America that this line is um is is very is 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 this kind of seam of america right and so there's this this axis where and where there's both the east west and north south axis of america are being constructed right so in on the song a lot of the songs have these interplay between you know kind of 
these you know characters um who are in a very kind of urban environment um and then a lot of you know poetic or biblical uh characters right and so on the title track um you know, it's not that it's not just Highway 61, but you know, Highway 61 is being revisited, um, and so there's a, both a reconnection to the role of Highway 61 in a lot of blues songs, and you know, the spot on Highway 61 where you know Dylan is from, um, and so in this, there is a lot of kind of. It's not just, you know, the sense of what is in the wind is not just a blowing around in the wind. It's not just a sense of where society is. But there's also, I think, a sense of kind of, you know, there's even greater sense here of drawing on a, a canon or a history, right? Of, of Abraham is here and John the Baptist is here uh, and Louis the King. And they're all kind of also at the same table as, you know, the... the um, you know, the subjects of like a Rolling Stone and, and, and Thin Man. And it's all, um, it's, it's, there, there's all, there's, there's a more dense, um, swirl of, of reference here. Um, I don't know. Uh, did you, what, what did you make of kind of the lyrics and the, the kind of web of reference? Yeah, that's I mean, on the it's, song? Yeah, it, that's interesting, right? Like, because it, it sort of proceeds thematically, right? And, and like a lot of, a lot of time periods, a lot of different concerns, a lot of different characters are, are yoked together, right? Um, right, right, right. Thematically. And it, that's an interesting, it's an interesting move, right? Like it's a high risk, high reward move. Um, you know, because it's it's I don't know in the in the hands of bright eyes, it's like you know it it, it gets to like very you know um, it gets into like very pathetic territory, right? Like, hey, when my girlfriend left me, isn't that kind of like a plane crash that kills hundreds of people? <laughs> right. <laughs> we love you very, 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 very much. It's a party. It's a birthday party. Um, the, uh, I like, there, there's a, uh, I mean, there are a couple of good lyrics in that song, right? Like, uh, I don't know. The anarchist who sleeps, but doesn't dream is a, is a good bit of, is a good bit of writing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really taken by this, by this idea of, of a road kind of being bimodal, right? Like it, uh, um, the, the, it, it uh, opposes the terminal points of the road, and it also opposes one side of the road from another, right? right. And and the, the, it's it's interesting, right? Like uh, unlike a lot of American music, a lot of traditional American music, um, there isn't uh, there isn't uh, a lot of frontier, you know, in right. in Bob Dylan's music, and you get the sense that like. Even the country, right? Like even the rural parts uh, of Bob Dylan's America, or of the kind of notional America of Bob Dylan's music, at least the the songs that we're looking on are settled. You know, yes. they they have yes. things like fairs. They're country fairs, but they're fairs. You know, they, there are there are traditions, and the the land is you know uh, crisscrossed with roads and and stuff like that, rather than being you know I don't know country music, right? Which takes which takes um, uh, which sort of marries the, uh, some of the same strains in terms of like traditional American music and like Harry Smith's anthology of American folk music, which is an, an influence here that, you know, I don't know, we could do a whole podcast on by itself. Um, 
and takes it uh, and and marries it with like the frontier spirit and like the western, right? And the idea of sort of the idea of of conquering, right? Like this is the, uh, and and the idea of a of a certain amount of sort of individual versus lawless, rugged terrain, right? right. Like. In Dylan, right. the individual is always sort of circumscribed by by a society and is always yeah. sort of observing the society, often critically, right? Yeah. And is yeah. always, like, concerned with uh, the relationship of the society to itself and the relationship of, of factions within the society, yeah. like white people and black people being, like, a yeah. primary one in, in Highway 61, um, you know, and uh, and his own and place. class as well, like and and on Desolation Row, right? Sure. And that kind of urban urbanism as well, right? Yeah, it's kind of all one big Desolation Row, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I don't know the the. Uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's what strikes me. And so like this, this, um, this sort of high risk, high reward, uh, this high risk, high reward strategy of yoking a lot of things, um, together, right. The biblical story of Abraham, you know, Louis 14, uh, uh, welfare, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, Georgia Sam, who I guess is blind William McTell, um, like and and welfare and poverty uh and you know i don't know uh and war right uh just trying trying to create an, a next world war uh he found a promoter who nearly fell off the floor um he said he never engaged in this kind of thing before you know hey you know what like concert promoters uh, they're kind of like warmongers, aren't they? Right. <laughs> you know, I, but, but still, I mean, th- that aside, right? Like, I think this, this, I think this pays off because there is such a, a coherent and such a persuasive vision of, yeah. of what America is and what it's like and, and what the important things, uh, about it are. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think we, we could say a lot more. Um, and so, but we're going to say them uh, on the internet. I guess we're already saying them onto the internet, but we're going to say them with the clackety noise. Um, and if you want to make 140 characters of clackety noise uh, about uh, either of these records or anything that we said, uh, you can do them on Twitter uh, and direct them towards uh, at TFT podcast. Uh, give us, you know, follow us if you don't already uh, and uh, tweet us some thoughts uh, Dylan related, uh, or if you have some more additional clackety, uh, then go to, uh, overthinking it.com and the show notes, uh, for the show. And like we said, we have, uh, we always put in some secondary sources, some affiliate links, um, uh, the Spotify playlist that will have both of these albums, um, as well as a space, uh, for some, uh, for some comments and discussion. So, you know, let us know if you're a Dylanologist, bring some more context in, bring some more secondary sources. Uh, if you like, like us are either a like me are a, a Dylan neophyte, um, but I think a kind of convert and interested convert, um, a late convert, uh, or like Matt or someone who, like Matt, uh, someone who is is taking a longer. Uh, you know, a first sustained and deeper look at Dylan. Um, let's uh, get the conversation going because I, I you know this is an artist where um, you know as Matt said. 
uh, there is a lot uh, of uh, there's a lot out there um, and a lot said and a lot of you know people who you know feel strongly about Dylan's music. Uh, so I'm interested to to hear what that conversation is. Um, so uh, join in, listen to these uh, albums, uh, tell us what you think, uh, and until next week, it's been real. <laughs>